Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. Um, It's February the 9th. Yes, we're into February. Time is disappearing. We've got a really small but powerful panel, hopefully a couple of the other panellists that are dragging them at themselves out of bed or whatever will be joining us as we moosey through our news topics. I'm going to let our panel introduce themselves. Ladies first, Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly, my name is Sally Getch. My business is WP Fangirl. I uh, build Genesis websites for growing businesses and nonprofits, and I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. Yeah, and I think you need to move your mic a little bit in position. Yeah, there we are. Chew on the yeah. mic. There we go. And um, we got Chris from Lifter LMS. Would you like to introduce yourself, Chris? Sure. My name's Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress solution for creating, building, and protecting engaging online courses from your WordPress website. That's great. And, and it's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Oh, let's go back to the interview. I'm playing around with Finn's viewers. I'm terrible. Shocking. Oh, I can't get back to one. Oh, there we go. Uh, um, and I'm the founder of WP Tonic. Um, we're a WordPress support maintenance company with an emphasis on learning management systems and management websites, management membership. That's what I meant. Um, so I think we're going to go straight into the stories. Um, we'll start off with... Um, WordPress 4.94 fixes critical auto-updates. Doesn't seem the most exciting um, story, but I thought I'd throw it in um, because there seems to be a... There's been a couple of bugs recently that they've had to kind of quelch. Do you think they're just a little bit pushed with time considering all the other things they're up to? What do you think, Sally? It is possible. And, uh, I mean, it was kind of... a funny, you know, there's a, a new version of Gravity Forms that, that's in beta and um, somebody in the Gravity Forms Slack was saying, you know, just release the darn thing already. And, and uh, the guy from Gravity Forms was saying, oh, yes, it's such a burden, you know, having to, to wait for your, your software to be properly tested before it comes out. Um, uh, you know, this was kind of an ironic uh, Is it English? Sort, Is it English? <laughs> I don't think so, but I don't actually know. I've never met that. It's had a very English sarcastic comment, didn't it? Gravity forms team, but um, it, you know, kind of like the the WooCommerce issue we talked about uh, last week. This was a little ironic because the the thing that broke was the automatic update process, <laughs> and so yeah, we had you know four point nine three, and then suddenly four point nine four, and and everybody had to go update their websites themselves. Um, and uh, good morning, Adam. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they may just be uh, r- rushed. It's, uh, I think everybody misses something. It's, it's pretty hard to uh, be dealing with something as large as, as WordPress and, you know, not have a few bugs in there somewhere. Uh, I do think they're good about, you know, fixing them quickly once they're discovered. But this was obviously a slightly embarrassing moment for the team. It's just that um, recently it's it's been really going quite smoothly, and then they've had a couple, you know, WooCommerce. This, what do you reckon, Chris? I think all software has bugs. I couldn't uh, speculate, you know, if it was because press, Chris. press <laughs> if, if they're uh, pressed for time on because of something else. But um, sometimes what happens when you do roll out a new feature or fix something, then something somewhere else breaks. So it's all about the testing process, which is. It's almost like that rock that you're rolling up the hill and testing can always get better. Uh, it's one. But um, yeah, I mean, things slip out sometimes. Sometimes you have to do the rollback um, and sometimes you have to 
do a bunch of quick releases to improve it. But it doesn't surprise me. I am though, uh, I think the thing I will say is WordPress in general does have a reputation for being buggy. And I think part of that is just the open source community of it all, where all these different products made by all these different people just push together. But um, so it doesn't help with that reputation, but I'm glad, you know, there's news about the reality of what just happened. Yeah, I mean, and we just had another uh, of the panelists join us, Adam from WP Crafter. Would you like to introduce yourself, Adam? Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. I always show up a little late. That's okay. Um, fashionably late, as they say. But uh, for the listeners, my name is Adam at WPCrafter.com. So we're talking about the latest um, update to w, um, to WordPress, Adam, and uh, we had this WooCommerce update to fix a problem, and then we've had a couple, had another update to fix another update problem. So it's not been going too smoothly lately, has it? Yeah, but that's not so typical, though, I would say, with WordPress. No. I mean, they've been pretty consistent, and I think that's because they have um, – Maybe they're being a little bit more ambitious than they've been in the past because they've been like, there's really a, a, an exciting update to WordPress. You know what I mean? It's like not exciting at all. Like they don't ever like, they're not really packing in new features and doing stuff like that. So um, that's why I think there's been stability over the years, but I guess someone, someone, someone botched a couple updates. <laughs> yeah. Let's get on to the other story. Then. Um, it was one from Sally. Um, it's time to ditch WordCamp tracks and what to do instead. Would you like to give a quick synopsis, Sally, of the article? Sure. So um, if uh, people go to WordCamps very much, they are aware that usually uh, there are multiple presentations going on at any given time, and there, there might be two or, or even three tracks, and they are sometimes divided into like, you know, designer, developer, business, or, you know, beginner, expert, you know, that sort of thing. And um, what the author of this post is arguing is, is that this is not really a very good idea, um, because, you know, first, you know, he says, you know, people are bad at self-identifying that, that people don't necessarily know, you know, or there are multiple things, you know, maybe you're a beginning WordPress user and you're a business owner, or, you know, you're a designer and a, a, a you know, meetup organizer or some things. And, and so you actually have interests across tracks. And we know that Murphy's law of conferences is that everything you want to see happens at the exactly the same time. Um, and, um, but the other point that, that I hadn't thought of uh, so much is that uh, it means that you don't uh, mingle people as much because you have sort of the developers hanging out with the other developers in the developer track and the, you know, and the beginners hang, and, and you don't get that much crossover. Uh, and uh, so you're, you're not exposed to as many new people and, and new ideas. Um, and, uh, so, uh, you know, he then goes on to, to say, uh, you know, uh, don't put all the similar sessions in the, in the same room. Um, you know, forcing people to switch rooms helps promote the hallway track with mingling and networking, make people refer to this schedule, help people to find, uh, sessions, um, like uh, have people at the registration desk uh, um, <clears throat> volunteer or or put some you know gather some suggestions what he refers to as uh, itineraries and provide some examples um, and uh, you know this is something that it seems like worth it's worth listening to it's really tough organizing a conference it's tough organizing a meetup and and you know trying to uh, choose topics and talks and organize them in some way because if you're not going to have uh, you know if you're not going to just have a, a one track uh, conference and then limit the number of potential sessions you have to divide them up somehow yeah i, I think you must have read what you must have um there must have been some psychic connection between us because funny enough um 
I interviewed Chris Coyer um, on Wednesday of um, CSS Tricks and and Lister Parr. Um, he, he's gone. He's been ahead of a few conferences. And funny enough, we got onto this subject of conferences, and um, actually, um, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it, Sandy? But I I, I really think that um, there are some strengths about the. It's become a tr- tradition at word camps these tracks that you know in some ways they do work but they do they definitely also do have some problems as well what do you think chris uh well i was at word camp sacramento actually i met sally there in person one of the cool one of the cool um uh and you too john uh one of the are you cool trying things to are you trying to <laughs> no i'm not uh one of the cool things uh jennifer Bourne put on was a speed networking track or just talk and so everybody regardless of what kind of developer business beginner track they're in we're in the room together and a lot of people met a lot of people talked about what they did and i found that really cool i think she called it facilitated networking um but that kind of made made the crowd blend more than developers over here you know hallway track people over here business people over here newbies over here so I get the point, but I do think that the audience does need to self-select and you know figure out which talks they want to go to if you're going to run yeah, multiple once and once. I like the menu of it all, so I, I'm a I'm of both minds. As long as there's something for everybody, but also an opportunity for everybody to get together, regardless of interest. I think as long as both happen, that's where the real win happens at a conference. Yeah, I think you could mix it up, couldn't you? Because I'm I'm a bit like you, Chris. I flatter from one track to the other like a butterfly, Chris. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> Adam's not. <laughs> yes, we're 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 all trying to imagine you with butterfly wings, Jonathan. And- uh, Adam was. Yeah, oh God, he wasn't taking that one. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I'm a cheat. I move from one um, one topic to the other, one track to the other, depending on my interests, because my interests are diverse. What do you reckon, Adam? Do you think it needs to be kind of mixed up a bit? Well, I think anything, if you keep the same format or structure, it just becomes uninteresting over time. Now I'll be the first to say I'm really conference inexperienced. So I know um, some of you guys have been probably more conferences than me. I've only been as far as word camps go. I've only been to one word camp. And honestly, I can't remember one thing from one of those sessions. I can't even remember what the sessions were. I do remember some of the, um, the after I actually, all I remember is what you do after the word camp and the, the networking part of it. Um, um, so I, I guess it's always good to keep, to try new things, especially in business, you know what I mean? Try new things and try new formats. And I think there's definitely a, a breath of fresh, fresh air that comes in from that. Um, however, you know, I don't know, I, I guess, you know, word camps are, are good and all. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be going to many more. I mean, I might go to one or two this year or something like that, but uh, it wouldn't be for a session per se, you know, but I, I, I did kind of find actually, you know, and I'm going to stop talking right there because I got lots of opinions about things and sometimes I can uh, dig a ditch for myself, uh, but I am grateful that they do have word camps. I will say that I, I am grateful that they do have that. If I was a WordPress user, I couldn't see myself going to a word camp, but I guess people do that. Yeah, they do. Um, I think for forty bucks, and you meet some, you meet some really, you meet some really interesting people. Um, interesting in air brackets, <laughs> uh, um, but you meet all types at word camps. You know, I've met. Um, you meet. You meet. It is a collect. Um, it is a very um, mixed bag, as they say. You know, CEOs with all you know, from CEO to all types. Uh, that's what I love about them. But I just go because for forty bucks to show my support, and they're um, they're fun, aren't they? But I, I think um, 
I'll say one thing about WordCamps that I, I think could be improved upon. And isn't there some bylaw that you can't be like going to every WordCamp and being a speaker at every single WordCamp they should be pulling from local talent? Because like if you looked at last year's WordCamp schedule, you got the same guys and girls going to every single WordCamp speaking. And like if you're a local person and you put your thing in, it's like, why are you flying people from all around the world? I put my speaking application in, you know, and I'm right down the street. It, it just... It, that that is um, a little concerning to me. Uh, I don't. Isn't there some bylaw where it has to be local people? Um, I don't know if it has to be. They encourage you to have local uh, speakers and and to make it a, a local community event with, um, you know, uh, maybe a few things. And and what they just recently came out with is that they said, you know, if you are a speaker, you can't give the same talk at multiple WordCamps because they get recorded and put on WordPress.tv and they don't want like a dozen recordings of the same talk. Uh, so, and of course, you know, that by itself is going to restrict the number of uh, people flying around doing this because you have to prepare, you know, 10 different talks to, to go to 10 different WordCamps, assuming you've actually got the travel budget for that or your company supports it. That's much more work than preparing one talk and giving it in, in 10 different places. And the reason I didn't, one of the reasons I didn't make it to uh, WordCamp uh, LAX this year, this past year was that they were two weeks apart. And uh, there was no way I was going to be able to, to prepare two different talks uh, two weeks in a row. Why, good morning, John. Good morning. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got the time wrong, and then I was having a ton of uh, technical difficulties. So there you go. There you go. That's John, John Locke, one of our great panelists. Go yes. We're here. talking about WordCamp tracks, which I know you uh, were interested in, John. Oh, yeah, most definitely, yeah. Yeah, well, I think... Um, to answer your question, Adam, it, I think it's a balance. But I do, it, I think, especially the keynote speaker, um, I actually think it's a better idea if you've got somebody almost outside the WordPress community, somebody that people could recognize. Um, but being, you know, normally really top notch keynote speakers, they're normally expensive. And because it's $40, they, they can't, the keynote speaker tends to be a bit difficult. You know, um, um, but yeah, I definitely agree with you, you know, but I think there's been a trend to try and mix it up a bit more, actually. Um, but I, I, I know there were several first time speakers at um, WordCamp Sacramento this last time because it, one of them was from my meetup. One of them was my former co one of my former co hosts, Bill Conrad, did he? You know, wasn't he speaking? Well, he, was, he did. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know that yeah. was his first time. Don't know. It's always the first time with Bill. But there we go. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. He's listening. He doesn't care what I say. Never did. Uh, um, uh, um, I think we'll move on to the next story. And it's very, it's very uh, good news that John joined us as is because we're going to go into his story. Five reasons for website redesign. John, would you like to uh, give a quick synopsis about this um, article, John? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, and, and like I said, like over the past five years, I've done about 80 uh, different websites. And the top five reasons that I always see like people wanting to do a redesign at all, because nobody wakes up each morning saying, I want to spend a ton of money on uh, building a brand new website, but there's usually, you know, factors that drive it. And uh, the five reasons are either they want more business, um, their website looks old and they're self-conscious of it because they're looking around and seeing competitors with newer sites, um, or people like their target customers or their internal team are not using their site, or they have features that they've been waiting to add and they just haven't had an opportunity, you know what I'm saying? Or, or nobody in the organization has updated the site because the CMS or the way that the site is set up is just too hard for them to use. Those are, those are you know, most of the reasons that I run into, like why people uh, want to redesign the site. But it all really ties back to, you know, generating more revenue. 
Yeah, it's a, it's normally a, I don't know if you agree with this, John. It's normally a, it's also normally a mixture of all those factors, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of jumble mixture. But what do you reckon, Adam? Do you reckon? Because um, I reckon after about three years, three or four years of sight, or even less, you know, does start to look dated, doesn't it? Absolutely, it does. And you know, it's funny. If you're selling a website and, you know, you're talking to your client, you're like, it's going to be $5,000 for your website. Oh, and by the way, you should get a new website every two years. <laughs> I don't know how many people would be selling website design services, but that's really what you should be doing, you know, because the technology gets better. The um, what you use your website for is changing and it becomes more and more and more. And that's always going to change. And this is actually a really good thing for website developers. But, you know, I think if you're a business and you're going in, you're getting your website design, you might not have that expectation that, wow, this is going to look pretty like dated in two years. You know what I mean? Because things are changing that fast. Well, and you and, never want to. The trendier it is when you visit, build it, the uh, faster it will look dated. That's true. You can hold on to some core uh, core design principles. Uh, but for me, I would always want to look at my competitors and I would want to have a better looking, better optimized website than my competitor. You know what I mean? Because I want someone you, you really when you go to someone's website, you are judging them and their business. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I, I'm in the WordPress space, right? I create content and I'll look at some other content creators website. I'm like, man, your website's a disaster. I can't believe anyone would like look at your website and, and think you're credible in any way. You know, it's kind of like the mechanic that always drives the broken down car. You know what I mean? It's the same concept. But, uh, you know, as far as having, I mean, I think your website is the best investment you could make. And, you know, you know, I think a good business strategy too. And, I don't and know. We're if you, not biased about that idea at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just so unmistakable because that's where discovery happens. People aren't calling the yellow pages. They're 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 going to your website and they're judging you immediately. They're ma immediately making judgment calls. And you always it's like, you know, how often do you get a haircut? For me, I cut my hair every day, but you know, you gotta, you gotta like maintain things, keep things looking good always. And your website falls into that category of keeping looking good, keeping on top of it. I think, you know, so I'm like totally with this. I, I don't know, John, do you, do you set the expectations since you're the writer of this uh, um, awesome post here? Uh, do you set an expectation with your client that, you know, every year or two, we want to reevaluate your website? Yeah. And, and I think I mentioned that it might've been in a more, um, in a different article, but really I think like the, the cycle is, you know, at the most like four years, but like it's probably should be closer to what you're saying is like two between that two and, and four year gap is when most businesses do it. One thing that I've kind of, tweaked in my own business over the last year or so is targeting more of businesses that have the, you know, the actual means to, to redo their site every two to four years to where it's not such a big deal. And, you know, the, the expectation is kind of understood like from the start that it's going to be a continuous improvement. I think when you have businesses that you know, just generate more revenue, they're going to put more into it because they value it more. I think it's more when you get down to the solopreneur level, you know, and maybe people who are, you know, just starting a business and nothing against that, but those are the people that kind of tend to invest less. True. Um, I was going to ask Chris, because, um, because of your own, you know, because of your own website and, you know, you've got a product that's quite complicated and your website is the main, um, one of the main mythologies that you try and explain the features, the value to your client base. So how much discussion on a monthly or, you know, on an ongoing basis does the website take up in your own organization, Chris? I would say it gets daily attention. I think one of the things is that um, what people, in many cases, especially if you have a you know a global digital product business, 
Uh, you don't need a website. You need a technology partner if you're not the website builder yourself. So this whole thing about um, the website's not necessarily the finish line. You know, you may want to redo it in two years, but it's best if you have somebody with you on the journey on your team or outsource professional that you can use as needed. So it's just critical for business. And I think outside of the WordPress bubble or the web design community, I, I come across a lot of very outdated, terrible websites. I was getting a massage the other day. I could not find her on the internet. I could not find her on Facebook. I went to her office. It was closed. I had to go to the office next door where they had her business card. And finally, I was able to get her phone number. And this is the reality of a lot of small business out there these days. So um, when you're in the industry, you see a lot of websites and a lot of nice looking stuff, but there's a lot of stuff out there that's behind the times. And just the other thing I would add is that, you know, the website is John's first point in his great article about uh, incoming business and increasing that. Um, the website can drive business for sure. It can capture leads. It can, you know, attract leads through SEO, like John's SEO services. Uh, for manufacturing, but also the website itself can become a new unit of business if it is, you know, more than just a content site, but also an application delivering other stuff, you know, digital products, courses, memberships, um, software, whatever. So the website itself can also be an additional line of business. So it's critical. It's critical. Yeah, I think, oh, go on. What's you going to say? I was going to say, you know, we got these, uh, these cell phones and everybody, you know, that catchphrase the last two years was selfie, right? Selfie, selfie. How often do people update their selfies? Like every two days, right? Well, your website is your business's selfie. I mean, you got to keep that thing looking good. That's all. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, lots of people buy a new car every other year. Um, it, which astonishes me because, you know, I kind of drive mine until they collapse around me. But, uh, you know, and that's a huge investment and people don't think very much about it. That's just, you know, they commute a, a lot. They want a new car. Um, and, yeah, I think there is a lot about, you know, attitude that goes into this. And there is also, yeah, if you're just starting a business, you don't have a lot to invest uh, but that is uh, a good <clears throat> time to 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 start doing this, you know. And I emailed on my clients this year and talked about, you know, kind of performing an annual review of your website, checking to see, like, first, is everything still working? You know, does it still represent who you and your business are? Um, you know, if 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 this website were one of your employees, you know, would would you be giving it a raise or or firing it? You know, is is there more that you want to start to start to do? Um, you know, check the the SEO, check the accessibility, check you know, and just check some basic things and say, you know, is this still is this still working? Uh, is 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 this serving you as well as it could, or is there something that we should do that would? Um, yeah, I, and that would improve it, and that may not be a complete redesign. You know, it, it may be an addition of of something. But I updated the designs on several client sites last year, and I'm talking to one now and saying, "Wow, yeah, it was 2013 when we built your website, and, and you know, design wise, it hasn't held up too badly." But it's still definitely time to kind of take a look at this and say, all right, what do we, what do we want to do differently? Because yeah, the technology does change and it becomes possible to do things that, you know, that you couldn't do one year ago, Never mind five. Yeah. Before we go for a break, um, I think the other consequence is the origins of web design because it's origins, some of the metaphor and origins came from print, you know, brochure site you know, the concept that you get it done, you know, um, there's a period of time and then in a lot of clients' minds, it's done, which is the totally incorrect, understandable, but totally incorrect mental attitude to it because fundamentally it's never done because it's not print, it's digital and it's an ongoing process. There is no end. There's points there's outcomes that you want to obtain but it's not a printed brochure so a lot of 
that these attitudes come from historical other platforms that migrated into the language. Hopefully I'm not waffling. Uh, but, uh, if, I, if I could just tell a very short story that cements that point. I lived in a town that had two pizza restaurants at once. One of them literally had a brochure site, which was a PDF of their menu. And then another one, which had worse food, had a decent modern website. You could actually place your pizza order through your inter- through the phone or on the website. And I watched the website that accommodated the customer win, and the other one went out of business. It was just that simple. That, that- and people started having different... Ex- Here's another point to add to that. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, website visitors' expectations evolve. So if you would have said two years ago, ordering food online, nah, I'll never do that. I'm just going to pick up the phone. I like to talk to them because I want that spicy sauce and I want this done that way. But today, I want to go to a website and it's the same thing. There's Project Pie and there's Woodstone Pizza. Woodstone Pizza takes my order online and I can pay on PayPal. I order at Woodstone Pizza. You know, if I'm getting gasoline, I'm just ordering it on my phone. I don't want to call you. I have this new expectation that your website should be doing this. And I rather use the, the, the company that I can, that, that is more convenient. Yeah, well, that's uh, well, there we are. Uh, but before we go for a break, I want to talk about our sponsor, Intelligence WP, which basically, what did it do? It really puts your Google Analytic data on steroids and it displays it inside WordPress. And it provides a load of additional um, functionality, which you probably won't get from other um analytical google analytical plugins that you can use it's free they have packages where they supply installation and ongoing training go to intelligent wp and find more about it i think it's great and they really kind that they support the show it's really nice of them um we're going to go for a break folks we're going to come back and we've got some more stories about wordpress or things interesting in general be back in a few moments folks do you want to spend more time making money online then use wp tonic as your trusted wordpress developer partner they will keep your wordpress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money examples of wp tonic's client services are landing pages page layouts widgets updates and modifications wp tonic is well known and trusted in the wordpress community They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. We've had a good discussion. Adam got very passionate before we went for our break. But there we go. Uh, Very un-English. Uh, um, but there we are. Uh, um, <laughs> um, on to another story that Sally uh, was kind enough to provide. Um, and it's from Delicious Brains. 2017, a year in review, hiring, firing, and revenue details. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's just like a spaghetti <laughs> western, doesn't it, Sally? Uh, would you like to give us a quick synopsis about this article, Sally? Well, this is kind of like the, the sequel to the um, year in review we had from Pippin Williamson a, a few weeks ago. Uh, it, it's a very detailed discussion of you know what went on with the uh, company and the you know the difficulties of of having to let people go and um, also sort of you know what they did who was in charge of what uh, how it is worked. That, is, this, is this this ongoing trend, Sally, of CEOs giving it all well, I think, psychic I mean, dimension to the outside world? You know. Well, I think you know I think it's always interesting to see how people run their businesses. It, in that much uh, detail uh, and what worked and, and what didn't. And I presume that's a, a large part of how, why they uh, published this. But, you know, I mean, lots and lots of people write uh, year in review uh, posts. I mean, you know, I've, I've done it once or twice. And when I haven't done it, it, I've thought about doing it and then, no, not found the time. And then it's, you know, March and nobody cares. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, uh, so yes, I think I, I think it is a trend, but it's it, you know it, it's interesting to see it broken down, and I think it's you know it's 
useful for people to write these things and actually take a look at what has happened because while you're in the middle of doing it, you may or may not be tracking it very well. And I think, you know, if you are um, a real CEO as opposed to a freelancer type like me, you probably do have a better sense of, you know, we have a strategic plan and here's where we, uh, here's where we are on it versus, oh, and we've gotten to be the end, if we've gotten to the end of the year, what did I accomplish? Um, but, uh, you know, he's saying, you know, so they had a growth strategy and they realized, ooh, we're 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 not uh, we're not actually doing so well here. We have to uh, we have to change um, what we're doing and and uh, what we're approaching, and um, <clears throat> you know what they found was that <clears throat> you know they did end up with. Uh, growth, but not the same, not the same growth pattern that they'd been expecting. Uh, and, you know, now they feel like they're more on track. And, and so, you know, and then they have a list of, you know, goals for 2018, which, you know, we can come back at the end of the year and see, you know, did they meet those goals? And I'm uh, pretty sure we'll be getting a, you know, a post about how successful they were or, or, or weren't at this. And, you know, I, I always admire, at people who make up these lists of goals and then achieve them because, you know, my experience is, is more like if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Exactly. Uh, obviously, when you read that article, you get, everybody gets a, uh, a different kind of, um, there's a bit of it that kind of hits home with them. And Chris, um, one thing um, that struck me was when he was saying he was hiring people and, like um i think it wasn't office manager it was a, a marketing stroke um out, outreach manager and he said he had 300 application and he spent hours and hours and hours and hours and you know you've got to i think there's a balance here chris i found that um if the right candidate came to me i knew straight away the right person and when it was the wrong person, I hired them because I was under pressure. I needed somebody. And deep down, I knew they weren't really the right candidate. I just intellectually told, persuaded myself that it would work out. But my core sense told me that. They and, it, and it normally panned out. What do you think about that, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, hiring is a huge, it's the backbone, especially of a remote company where uh, the team is distributed. Um, you have to have the right people. And I, over time, I think you do get a good gut instinct about people. Um, there's a phrase I like to use called batteries included, especially in the online world with the remote teams, you need people that are fired up and ready to go and they don't, they, they're going to have unique skill sets. But um, in my experience, my gut is usually correct. And I've worked hard to deleverage risk by doing proper hiring, having the team help in the interview process because they're going to be working together. It's not just my opinion that matters. And also, um, you know, doing sample projects and then also just having really good communication and develop, take the time to develop a relationship. So if things are going not well or you know so there's miscommunication going on don't hide from it and let it get worse but confront it head on but yeah i think it's something the more you do it's um you you do start to get a little bit of a gut intuition about it but i'm I'm also a fan of you know sometimes when you meet the right person like i know i don't even have the exact role for this person open at my company but i need to get them inside and you know you can always um train the skills, but, you know, hire the person. And I think that's happening more and more in the online world when you find these superstars who are capable of both operating in a complex world, but also still able to get really focused and do deep work. It's becoming harder and harder to find those people. So when you come across it, it's, uh, it's really a beautiful thing. Oh, right. Um, yeah, because um, funny enough, me and John, uh, like say, Chris Coyer, we interviewed him together on Wednesday, John agreed to be my co-host because Kim wasn't available. And, um, we, you know, one of the questions you put, John, was about um, 
why there isn't kind of more apprenticeship, more training. And Chris said that he had to kind of break that rule himself because he just needed somebody uh, to cover maternity of one of his main developers. But do you think... I just feel I just feel that sometimes people over um, interview. Um, it's too analytical. In some, what what do you think, John? Or am I just waffling? No, I've actually uh, the people that I know that that run agencies. Like personally, I know that that happens a lot. Where, um, say, one of their employees will have a family emergency, or they'll you know have to take a maternity leave. And you don't really have time to, you know, go through a full-fledged hiring process. You just got to grab somebody. And uh, even if it's just for the short term. So I I think that that does happen a lot. But I think probably, and and Chris could probably tell me if I'm wrong here, but you always should be like keeping your eyes open for talented people that are in your network or that your network might know. I call uh, that building the virtual bench. Yep. Something exactly. I do. Carl Smith from uh, Engen, uh, they used to call that uh, the Frenchineers, I, I believe, was, was the term that they had for it. Like people that they could, exactly as you said, like a bench of people that they could rotate into projects that they had worked with and, and liked and they did good work. Um, but, the, but they uh, knew what it was like to work with them. Yeah, so definitely, yeah. Um, I just want to ask Adam what's his experience before we go with with a story that Adam's provided. Adam, what's you what's you been your experience hiring people? Do you think you can overdo it with too many interviews, or what's what's been your basis of your experience? I've I have uh, online and offline experience in this department, and I'll tell you, I suck at both. Uh, I am like the worst at all of it. Right now, I do have a couple. I'm I'm starting to build my team of people. Uh, I have a graphic designer, so if you've seen any of my content recently, the thumbnail images are beautiful. Uh, but like I'm like getting frustrated with the guy at times. You know what I mean? I want him to like work harder. You know, I, I just have a difficult time. I just hired two content writers and they're kind of getting uh, kind of slow with it. So, you know, it's hard to level up a business and learn this. And there's also different stages of it, right? So there's that initial stage where there's just a couple people, but then to scale it up, it's a whole different way of going about it. Um, you know, uh, I, I think for, for me, though, I'm like the worst boss because I have, I, I don't want to be anyone's boss because I have these like very demanding expectations and I don't like to put myself in that situation. But, you know, it is not easy to grow a business. There's, it's unmistakable. It's not easy. All right. So we're going to go on to the story you just provided, Adam, um, and it's Google sets deadline for HTTPS and warns publishers to upgrade soon. Can you give us a quick synopsis of this, um, Adam? Yeah, well, this is actually breaking news. You know, it's very, very breaking, like yesterday breaking. And, you know, um, it's funny. I, I, uh, if you don't have your website in Google Webmaster Tools, you are playing with fire. I liken it to not having a current address with the IRS and they send you a letter and you don't get that letter and you're screwed in like three, three months later, you're like having a major uphill battle. That's like not being in Webmaster Tools and that's like not paying attention to what the, the almighty Google says. So as of uh, yesterday's announcement, this breaking news, the almighty Google says... You have to have an SSL certificate by this summer, and if you don't, and so they've, they've increased the requirement. So first it was just a login form. Then last October it was any form. So if you're using Google Chrome, it'll say insecure website. Now, if you don't have an SSL certificate by this summer and anyone visits your website using Google Chrome, it's going to say insecure website. And I don't know about you, but I don't want someone using Google Chrome visiting my website and having that word insecure anywhere, (laughs) you know. So this is like now you have to do it. You literally have to do it. You have no choice. You can't say I don't have e-commerce. I don't have comments or logins or anything. You have to do it now. Yeah, we're going through that actual process with a few clients right now, actually. It's quite, 
uh, like you say, a bit like Sally's story, um, kind of read my mind because um, we've been dealing that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it just I, get it done with just get it done with it, it, well it's and it's so easy these days because you know very many uh hosts are providing free ssl through let's encrypt and you know you push a button on the dashboard or you fill out a request form and then bang it's you know it's it's taken care of and you know pretty much well, if, you're, if your hosting you, company isn't providing that you should change hosting companies well me and jogger can tell you about that one <laughs> <laughs> well, but the truth is, though, there's actually on the WordPress. So it's easy to get an SSL certificate, but on the WordPress side, you could do it wrong and totally screw yourself up. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to pass the mic to John uh, to talk about redirects and SEO, because that is uh, you got to you got to make sure you're doing it right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, Adam. Um and like you said, you want to make sure you want to get with your hosts. Like if you're switching from HTTP to HTTPS, and, and like you said, a lot of people worry about that. And I think that's why a lot of people have hesitated from, from moving from HTTP yeah. to HTTPS. Either they just don't know and don't care, or um, they're afraid that their SEO is going to tank. And one thing that you have to, to make sure is with your host, make sure that they're doing a site-wide redirect of that HTTP to HTTPS um, if there's not a site-wide redirect for that protocol because Google looks at a HTTP and a HTTPS version of the same domain name as two separate sites. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and like I said, if you have that set up in Google Webmaster Tools or Search Console, you already know that they, they make you register like two different ones because they look at it as two different like properties. So yeah, that's, that's definitely something to do. But as you mentioned, a lot of these hosting companies, especially the WordPress uh, hosting companies, they offer it free through Let's Encrypt. I want to pass on an anecdotal story really quick. I talked to a guy like not that long ago and he said he, he had a friend that was an engineer at Google. I don't know how much truth there is to this, so take this with a grain of salt, but what he passed to me was that with the mobile friendly uh, and HTTPS, Google has given uh, websites and webmasters like so much like forewarning on those two issues that they feel that uh, if you're not mobile friendly and you're not HTTPS, uh, that, that basically they're just like, you don't care about your site, so why should we? So take that as you will, you know, mm. so. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, responsive design has been around since, what, 2011, 2010? Um, it, it, you really, if you don't have a, a mobile-friendly site by now, you, you really are hey, uh, not keeping up. But, yeah, it is really important to make sure that, say, you change your Google Analytics over to tracking the HTTPS version of your site, or you're going to wonder where the heck all your traffic went and that, you know, that you put it into Webmaster Tools and that there is... However, you're setting it up, whether you're doing it through, you know, Cloudflare or or your HT access file or or your um, hosting company is doing it to make sure every, all requests get redirected to HTTPS, and you know, then that's and that's what you're tracking, uh, and then you won't be wondering where is my site traffic. Yeah, well, this, yeah, yeah, but you, there's also when you've got a really large site and yeah, scary. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a bit of a discussion about all this, uh, um, but there we are. Um, it's been quite surprising that they haven't pushed it a bit. Well, they they hinted and then they backed off a bit, didn't they? I think time flies. I think this was over a year, was eighteen months ago. They they seemed like they were going to get a bit heavy on it, and then they kind of backed off a bit, didn't they? Am I right about? It? And then it, they now seem to be. Obviously, the article that Adams just put to us, and that they, they're going to get a bit more like heavy again, aren't they? <laughs> I know we can't get more heavier than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the well, yeah. I mean, I I see warnings on sites. It definitely started happening last year, and you know, our January 2017 meetup was about these things coming down the pike. One of which was. Uh, HTTPS, and one of which was the um, interstitials on on mobile. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, the, 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 
And it's not just, you know, Google that shows uh, warnings. Uh, you know, Firefox shows warnings, too. They look a little different. Uh, so, you know, this is a, an issue. We have had quite a bit of notice about it. Um, and uh, I, I can't see why uh, Google would, you know, hey, feel sorry for anybody who w wasn't paying attention and, and hadn't got the memo by now. But it's all about, like what Chris said about these two pizza. Can you imagine the kind of um, average, um, and I'm not being dismissive here because running any kind of successful business is really time consuming and you can't be knowledgeable in all areas. But can you imagine, Chris, you know, some person, some pizza and they've got their website and they're having to kind of understand the difference through HTTP and HTTPS and all that. Well, you're it's, tech, it's, it's techno babble for some. It's babble, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I've been, I've been um, guilty of... Let's see, let's see you make a nice pizza dough, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I might surprise you. Different skill sets for different folks. That's what makes this a challenging issue is unless you're close to your website or, or you know, actively maintaining it with somebody. It, it, that, this might take some people by surprise. We certainly do. I think we're going to wrap up the show now. We, we, I think we've covered a load of stuff. Oh, well, this has been good stuff. We've covered a load of territory. Um, I'm going to let Sally. How, Sally, how can people get hold of you and learn some more about what you're up to? You can find me at WPFangirl.com and you can find my meetup at EastBayWP.com and um, I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and if you can spell my name, you will find me. I am unique in Google. You are unique. There we are. Uh, Rob and Chris, uh, Rob, how can people um, find more about you? You can find more about me at lifterlms.com. I also have a podcast for course creators and membership site builders called LMS Cast. And you've been on a bit of a um, high wave with your interviews. You've been knocking out some great stuff, Chris. One a week. Yeah, yep. right. Adam, how can people find more about you and what you're up to? WPCrafter.com, or you can just go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash WPCrafter. Love to uh, have you on the website. Yeah, and if you're, if you're interested in WordPress, you definitely want to go to Adam's website, and um, there's a load of good stuff there. And John Locke, how can people find out more about you, what you're up to? You can find me at my website, which is LockdownDesign.com, and I'm either Lockdown Design or Lockdown underscore everywhere. How did the people get a hold of you, Jonathan? Oh, thanks, John. Um, it's really quite simple. Uh, go to the WP Tonic website. There's a load of content. I've just published an article about hacking and how mm. to avoid it. Um, and we've got a load of new content that will be coming up on the website this month. We're going to really be hammering away on the content and we'll be surprising people. And if you really want to support the show, go to iTunes and give us a review. Good, bad, or indifferent. I don't care. It's always, it's always fun to read the reviews, and it really does help the show. And we'll be back next week where we'll be having a panel of WordPress junkies, experts, passionate people about WordPress. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.